the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman, known as Dennis and Julie. You know that this is number 46, Julie? Wow. We're almost at a year. We should have a big party with uh, nerds. Uh, oh, the candy nerds. Yes. Because uh, we have nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have no, that in full I, supply. Exactly. And good and plenty, which you never heard of. Let me ask you, do you like licorice? No. Oh. Ugh. Ugh. Do you like uh, sour straws? Do you even know what those are? That's insulting that you would ask, <laughs> do I know what sour straws are? Nevertheless, I have no idea. They're really good. I'll bring them in next time. Okay, They're my yeah. favorite. I did, I did not care for nerds, to be perfectly honest. Well, someone did because they're gone. By the way, I do want to say to everybody who enjoys us, which is everybody watching, presumably, otherwise they wouldn't, <laughs> if they didn't enjoy us, they wouldn't watch or, or listen. Uh, it's really worth a binging. In other words, going to the back one. Really, none of them are dated. It's true. They're, they're, they're eternal. They might be on something happening at the moment, but it, it, it's it's a larger issue always. Not really, though. We talked in our early episodes because it was right when Putin invaded Ukraine. We talked about that. But ever since then, we really haven't done a... Well, even, news item. I, I think even that would probably be interesting. Yeah, but we don't do news items. That's true. Talking about not doing news items, you said to me, and I was very moved because I really uh, am a big admirer of your parents. Thank you. And you told me that your mom was moved deeply by something I said. Yes. I know how important it is, and people take me seriously. Here's a great... oh. We always go off on tangents, but we always come back. So here's an interesting tangent for you. What moved your mother? You're going to tell us. I, I, I Then I'll comment. But that's a perfect example of where I have a big advantage over you on these issues. And, I mean, you'll overcome it. There's no doubt in my mind. But I have a big advantage being so much older. Because if you said this, what, you're going to cite your mother hearing from me? People wouldn't believe me. Well, they go, exactly, how, how do you know? That's exactly right. But I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and my kids are grown up. And it comes with credibility. So I just want to say that. See, it's interesting. This is its own topic. And we might have covered it tangentially before. I was speaking when I was your age. I have as odd a life as you now have. And I've been speaking ever since, obviously. There's no comparison to how seriously people 
uh, take me today versus then. And they took me seriously or they wouldn't book me for lectures. It's a challenge to be taken seriously when you're very young. It's not a challenge later. Well, that's why, you know, we were talking last time about uh, how I'm a character. And I remarked, people, members of our audience may be a little stunned to hear that I'm a character because I don't really let it show on this uh, on this uh, program or on my program, Timeless. And the reason is it's because I want people to take me seriously. And so far, even though I've had people, you know, write in mean things or disagree with me, I'm very, I'm knocking wood here. I've never had someone say that, indicate that they don't take me seriously. Oh, it's impossible not to take you seriously. But uh, obviously, otherwise, I, I, I wouldn't have you sit in for me for my show as right. an example. But uh, I'm just giving... This is a perfect example of where it's easier to be taken seriously when you're older than yes. your age. So go ahead. Your mother said this really impacted her. And yes. Something I said. She was listening to a recent episode of Dennis and Julie, and you remarked that parents should not have or take too much credit when their children turn out well, and parents also shouldn't take too much blame when their children don't turn out well. And that really, my mom said that that really impacted her. It impacts every parent that I know because either the kids turned out well or, the, or they turned out poorly. I know, I said to her, I'm so like... So who what? doesn't it apply to? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Okay, I was like, okay, yeah. mom, I'm right. so glad that resonated with you. I I can't believe I didn't tell this story about... Did I not tell the story on, on Dennis and Julie of when my dad came to a speech of mine in my oh, mid-20s? Oh, I think you did. And you said, and he said he got lucky with you. Oh yeah, it wasn't mid. It was much later. Actually, I was probably in my forties. But yes, he, I overheard him, and I was very moved that he because he he would take compliments, you know, nicely. But he would he wouldn't deflect them as a general rule. But this was really powerful. He had no idea that I overheard this conversation after a speech of mine. People milled, because I always introduced my parents, and it gave them a charge, and I loved giving them that charge. Ladies and gentlemen, my parents are here, Max and Hilda Prager. Mom and Dad, would you stand? And, and you know, my mother would beam. I mean, you, you, she radiated joy at all of this happening. Anyway, somebody had, uh, so people crowded around my parents after the talk, but, and my father had no idea I was within earshot. Somebody said, wow, you must have done a great job. Uh, Dennis is such a wonderful man. And my father said, tell you the truth, I was lucky. And I thought, wow, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very endearing and Im impressive thing for him to say. Julie, the, when I say Julie, you know it's going to be really serious. I know. I was thinking that. I went, oh, my I, I God. I know. I know. We're both. We both monitor everything, but I I just want to say that one of the realizations of the second half of my life has been the role of luck in life, and people don't like to hear that. I don't like to say it, let alone, I understand why people don't want to hear it. Religious people don't like to hear it because they want to believe God is involved in everything that happens, and it's not luck. And I believe God is omnipresent, but I don't, I don't believe he directs everything that happens. I don't think he sent the drunk driver to paralyze you if you got paralyzed. 
I, people who do, my father did. Mm. That's why he didn't fear. He was in the Navy for three years in the Pacific. He was on the type of ship that the Japanese most wanted to sink. He was bringing troops over. Thousand troops or whatever number at any on any given voyage. You you sink my dad's ship, you sink a thousand American servicemen. And and he slept like a baby because he believed that God determined when you died. And I, I, I sort of envied him. I, I, I didn't think that. I thought, if you get hit by a kamikaze, it's bad luck or a torpedo. So the, the, ha, have you meditated, because you're a thinker, have you meditated on the role of luck? Oh, you, uh, you were just saying that um, you were encouraging the listeners to binge watch Dennis and Julie. I actually binge watched Dennis and Julie last night. And uh, I was rewatching our, our last episode where I was talking about um, my sister. And you said that my situation with my sister has imparted to me the uh, how true the sentiment is of thereby the grace of God go I, which, by the way, is a is a saying that my dad has has said for my entire life. I remember being four or five or six years old and, and hearing my dad say that. So, yes, it's very I mean, every single day of my life, I think about. Well, explain how, to people who don't know. Yes, what. my sister is very severe autism and the, the situation with her. Her care has been very painful for all of us. And every single day of my life, I've thought, how the heck was I the Hartman child that was born neurologically intact? And she was so unlucky to get this wretched life. So the answer is is yes. But I, I wish I could go a step further than that. But I don't think anyone really can. Like you know, w- do you know? I wonder if people who who grow up with a disabled sibling are not deeper and better people for it. Oh, I'm I'm sure. And that that's another thing that really haunts me because it's not just that I was born without a disability. I feel like I have my. I've benefited in a very odd way from her troubles. I feel like I am a much more mature, strong person because Gina has suffered. Not just because she's disabled, but because she has suffered. And that's something that I can't figure out. Why does God let that happen? Or why, why, is, why is that the case? Well, okay, so... Do you, do you see what I'm yeah, saying that goes it, beyond? It, of course. Look... I, I have come to Pete to some peace with that issue, and that is that there is no answer. I'm a big believer in God, and I have big questions for God. Why Gina is that way, and your your way? You know, there was a kid in my high school class who who died in the senior year. Of what? I, I don't. I don't remember some some illness. He wasn't. I don't think it was a crash or something. But even if it was a crash, I mean, look, th- there's no answer to that. You'll be, you'll find this very interesting. A major uh, Jewish thinker passed away in the last two years, and um, oh God, me and names. This is a perfect example because I there's even a video of the two of us in dialogue. Uh, Lord, uh, oh God, Sachs, that's it. He was Rabbi Sachs, and he 
uh, was a major writer, major thinker. He, he was the chief rabbi of England. He was a member of the House of Lords, very distinguished, uh, incredibly. I mean, you would be blown away at how well-read he was. And, and all of a sudden, he got terminal, I think, cancer in his early 70s. And he said on a podcast, somebody asked him about God and suffering and so on, and he said he has come to an interesting conclusion. I'm using the word interesting. I don't know if he said it. He said, God must keep the answer secret because if we understood it, we would not work to improve the world. It's such a great point. And you said it on our show a few um, times ago. See, I, I am a human recording machine. If I, I love really... that. By the way, I love that you are. Because well, then it's a blessing I know, and a curse. Well, for you, <laughs> but for me, it's only a blessing. Because then I know we, we have to move to a different subject. Right. No, but, but you said it. You said something on the show, and I think about it almost every day. You said God created doubt. Yes, that's a separate issue. Well, it's but, but it's, it's related, but it's 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 yeah. But all if God created doubt, then yes. then He created doubt not just about His existence, but about a, a lot of different things, or or relatedly uncertainty. Right. And and I agree with with Rabbi Sachs that uncertainty is an in, in interesting. Oh, sorry, you can you go no. Ahead. Well, what I what I was going to say might be moving to yet another topic. Relatedly so, it's just we're getting off that that highway for a moment or maybe for a while. I knew how lucky I was very early, and I knew about the role of luck. And what I did with it, you'll find interesting because I think it it applies to you. I said, look, I don't know why I'm lucky. I only know that given how lucky I am, I have to use it for for better world Mm -hmm. i find it to be fascinating the way that because you know uh, my favorite thing to do you you say that your talk show is your human laboratory and i know you take that into your life as well it's not just confined to your talk show i do too i feel like every interaction i have with someone i'm i'm trying to i know you do i'm trying to analyze i want everybody to know she's not exaggerating no i i i do do this and i sort of hate admitting it because it makes it almost seem like the interaction is no, transactional no i'm you want to understand life i want to it's understand one all of, the of life. things i love about you that's correct well thank you and you, I mean, obviously you do the same and that's why that's why we're so similar among the many reasons but when i talk to people as i do quite often who don't believe in god i find that they whenever we talk about this issue of luck and the disparate circumstances and gifts and abilities that so many people in the world have. They approach the topic with a kind of disgust and anger and hostility. Like, oh, the fact, you know, the fact that this exists, this is this is proof that there isn't God. Um, how how could you think that there is a God when it almost like it's callous for me to think that there's a God because there are such uh, differing circumstances. Mm-hmm. But, and again, maybe it is because I am one of the luckiest people on earth. Like, I know that that I was born into a really good situation in life, just as you were. But when I think about that subject, I don't, I don't feel a hostility and an anger. I kind of feel a Toward sense God, of... God, you mean? Hostility or anger? Yes. About, or about the fact that luck is Both. so... Both. Imbalanced. I, in other words, the the... 
when I when when I talk about this, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me want to figure it out, and and crucially, I feel as I feel humbled by the subject, and I. I don't know. I feel like it's sort of a character defect when people resort to anger when talking about something like this or they immediately dismiss the existence of God. I I always found that response to be a bit odd. Well, there are two separate uh, reactions. Dismissing God's existence. Look, Charles Krauthammer, the the great, truly one of the greatest thinkers, commentators of, of the last half century, do you know about Charles Krauthammer? I do, yes. I, I don't know much. Right, okay. So, he wrote a series, a book of yeah, essays, yeah, right? Yes, it's yeah. worth, worth reading. So when I asked him, he, he was a completely secular man. And he was a psychiatrist. He went to Harvard Medical School. He was paralyzed in a diving accident at Harvard. Graduated with his class. Did I tell you this ever? No. You realize that? The no. man has, he gets, he, he gets quadriplegic. And a diving accident. He was a real stud, by the way, if you see the, the, the pictures. And he he did not stop studying. Didn't not just didn't leave Harvard for good, or medical school. It's irrelevant that it's Harvard in this case. He he stayed up with his class. He would have books projected onto the ceiling mm-hmm. while lying on on his back in the hospital. Wow. And and never and didn't lose a semester. I mean, the guy was it was amazing. And anyway, I asked him in one of my number of dialogues with him because I never asked him about politics because everybody knew his views. It's not interesting to me anyway. I know what he's going to say. I, I I read him. I heard him. And so I asked him. I'm just curious. What do you think of atheism? And I swear to you, I had no idea what he would say. I wouldn't have been surprised if he said, well, to be honest, Dennis, I am an atheist. Said, And he said, it was, it, it's the stupidest idea out there. And the, guy, the guy's secular. He comes from no religious background, or at least was not in any way religious. And, and so there are two separate issues, being angry and dismissing God. The dismissal of God is just simple. It's a simpleton response. But you could be angry at God. You, you, you're, the Jewish tradition, and it's unique in all religion, it is to it does have an element of shaking your fist at God. Do you know the story of the rabbis who put God on trial in Auschwitz? No. Oh, this will blow your mind. And Elie Wiesel actually said, I saw it. So we, we had a very reliable witness. So Orthodox rabbis in Auschwitz the torture death camp, the best, most infamous, best known one of the Nazis. One time they put God on trial. They gave him a lawyer and they gave him a prosecutor. They put him on trial for breaking the covenant with the Jews in the Holocaust. And after, I don't know how many days of deliberation, they found him guilty. And the punchline I get the chills when I tell the story. The punchline went as follows. God is guilty, and now it's time for the afternoon prayer. It's time to daven mincha. That was the way they put it. Mm -hmm. That's Jewish. 
God's guilty, and now I'm praying. Because it's very human. It's a very human religion, Judaism, interestingly. I totally understand why people are angry at God. I mean, there are, honestly, there are many days of my life that I feel angry at God when I see the situation with my sister. I'm sure there have been circumstances in your life and everyone's lives where they feel angry. I think what you're highlighting and the point that, that I was trying to say, though it wasn't particularly eloquent or clear, is that it's a, I view it as a luxury to not believe in God. I love it. I, that's that's what that's really what I was trying to say. When 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 people who I talk to they think that they it's the superior position to not believe in God because so many people suffer. Like how could I believe that there's this good God because there are you know so many people out there who have these wretched lives? They think that's their like that's the morally superior position. But what they don't understand is, as I said again, it is a luxury to not believe in God because it means that your life is so good. And so secure and stable that you don't need to have something greater than yourself to believe in, to get you through the day or That's get right. you through the year. So, it, so it's, para, it's, it's a paradoxical thing. It's the easy way out. It is, yes. And that's what By the way, for some people, I just want to be intellectually honest. For some people, belief in God is the easy way out. Yeah. If God is their butler. Totally, totally. Well, yes, I mean, I don't want to complicate things, but going back to what the line that my mom loved that you said, the crucial part of it, it for me isn't so much the second part as the first part. Yes, it's true that you shouldn't take a lot of blame when your child doesn't end up well, but you also have to obey that first part, that you shouldn't take a lot of credit or to all of the credit if your child ends up good. That first part, I think, is the the greater component and bringing it back to god of course now i'm forgetting how i what my original point was we are what were we just saying um, well the the, oh, the easy way out is to be an atheist yes yes with with belief in god you shouldn't there there are two sides too you shouldn't if you believe in god you shouldn't that doesn't mean that you should not question him you shouldn't take the easy way out if you believe in God. Those the two right, of us believe in God, right. but we have to you continuously take, question right. and well, challenge. You, you it. and I were raised, and here I do give our parents credit, even though they they may have gone too far in either of our cases or both doesn't matter. I was taught never take the easy way out. Yes, the there's a trap in it. Yes, there's a, that's a good way of putting it. I never heard it that way. Was that the way your parents would say it or you're I don't, saying it? I, I just There's say it. a trap in it. There's a trap. That's yes. exactly right. It doesn't work. There is no such thing as the easy way out. It doesn't exist. I know. I... <laughs> what is the easy way out of raising a child? What is the easy way out of writing a book? What is the easy way out of going to work every day? Well, there is no easy way out. Sometimes I do. I think I take it to the extreme. The easy way out is never getting married, not having children, yes. and, and, and living on, on your own and doing only what you want to do. That's the easy way out. But it, it's, not, it's not the happy way out. It's not the deep way out. It's not the rich way out. It's not the fulfilled way out. I could go on forever, but it is the easy way out. Mm-hmm.
God, that's crazy about the God being put on trial. I think there's oh. a documentary out there that that's, I th- I, there that's a God be. on trial. Yeah. And when I saw it, I just thought it was a great title because... Wait, did, are you I, referring to a play? Is it... Me, I Joseph think a, Telushkin wrote one on that. Oh, really? Oh, you've got to... I, I got to send you the link. I'll tell everybody the link. I yep. think there's a documentary on Hulu or Netflix that's called God on Trial. Uh-huh. And well, I, was, I don't know go- if it's about the, the Holocaust, though. I think it is. I think oh, I think it's about the... Yeah, the Nuremberg then it might Then it might, might be related to that very famous story. And I just thought, wow, what a great title because it's it's true. And See, that's... That I could be real about God... People who who think this is odd, oh, put God on trial, be angry at God, whatever, shake your fist at God. Wait a minute. Uh, you're not angry at, you've never been angry at someone you love? Right. Right. So it's not real. It's like saying you can't have any dark emotion vis-a-vis your children, your spouse, your friends. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. And I I find that I have such a richer life when I in- encounter these questions. Like, cause you, you remember for most of my life I was secular. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's sort of you know what? Say- it blows my mind. I, yeah. You don't know. I'm going to be very personal, which sure. is what you bring out of me. That I was your primary conduit to Where? taking God and, and the Bible and religion seriously it is not possible for you to know how much joy that brings me. I could cry. That's how much it means to me. History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out right now with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 1970s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. This is Julie Hartman for AmFed Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we should see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that could drive up prices. Be smart and consider buying now. At AmFed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You won't be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices at AmFed Coin and Bullion. Call 1-800-211-7694. AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. Well, you know I talk a lot about how much your book has impacted me, and we didn't even talk about this before the show, but I have a copy of the Rational Bible with me, and I need you to sign it because I'm sending it to one of my friends. And this is not this is not the first time, by the way, that I've had Dennis do this. And you're so you're always so gracious about writing personalized notes to as you have now discovered it. having a fountain pen makes it, <laughs> yeah, it makes it way easier. But I I just want to give it that gift to other people because they have to read it to, for it to be. They a have gift. to read it, and it's it's such yeah, a. But will your friends read it? Not all of them, but I I, I know which ones will, and I'm careful to the 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 friend that we're sending it to. Um, or that I, I don't know why I said we, that I'm sending it to tomorrow. We'll definitely appreciate it. I'm so excited for them because I so know the position they're in because I was in that position where they have, you know, this curiosity 
and they you know they have it's like fertile ground to grow a great tree and that by just sending them the rational bible i'm planting the seeds it's so i'm so excited to send it to my friend and hear what she thinks I, i believe that have you started deuteronomy no, I'm sorry. I've been re- sorry. Oh, I've been rereading know, Exodus <laughs> because I have this thing. I have to know it back and front. Uh, right. you know, really no, no, understand that's fine. It. I'm just curious because I can't wait for your reaction to Deuteronomy because there's got to be a voice in you thinking, what else does he have to say? I know. And then there's numbers. By the way, there's a voice in me that says that. Did I tell you my reaction when I got Deuteronomy in the mail? The actual you, you said you copy? wrote. I wrote that. No, no, when did I write? It? Oh, <laughs> yeah. When did I write? It? Yeah. Do you? So this is this is interesting because not to compliment myself, but I have not found yet that I run out of ideas. When you won't, I know. I know your you, mind. But, we have similar minds. But you are like I'm an idea factory. That's what I've always thought. I'm an I. You know how I relate it and. And for for people watching or listening, this is not a brag because this is a gift. I feel like it's they a, must think we're so we're no, so I, hot-headed. I, 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 could, I could live with it. I I, I know I, I know what I have to battle in my life, and I know what gifts were given. I don't take credit for this, so I want to make that clear. But I remember Schubert, one of my favorite classical composers, and Schubert was known for haunting melodies. The guy was a, a melody machine. And he was asked, how do you come up with this? And he says, they just come into my head. And I thought, that's, that's, that's me and ideas. You don't have a thousand columns out there. I know, and you, keep, you just keep going yes. and going. Thank God. Thank, oh, well, thank you. Uh, so it's uh, – I, I, be- I do believe this. This is not one of these we're all special. I can't stand that language. We're all special. But I do believe everyone has a gift. I have never met a person who didn't. The issue is, do you use it? Mm-hmm. If There's, I get yes. credit, it's for using the gift. But but the gift is a gift. You know, I was thinking about it. I, I have a personal trainer for, for five years. So I, I realized in talking to her just in the last session that she has a gift in the way she relates to clients in picking up what you did wrong. If you taught me physical uh, medicine or whatever, whatever, kinesiology I think is the term, I I I have no gifts in that arena. She knows every aspect of why I did any given exercise wrong. Your, your feet were not in the right place. You, 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 you leaned over to the right. I mean, you couldn't figure that out. No. I couldn't figure that out. That's a gift. It now, is. she's cultivated it. I've cultivated gifts. You have. But it, it's a gift. The, the interesting thing I have uh, debated, and I don't have an answer to, is are, I, I should, I'm going to raise this on my human laboratory, my talk show. Do you have a gift but you were not interested in using it. Mm. See, it's, it's a, a very good question. Isn't it a good question? Well, I I have a response to it and it, for me it's swimming. Even though I did use it. I I from a very young age it was clear that I was 
I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just complimenting myself. I feel really bad about it, but it, but it is true in this right, arena. Right. So I just want everybody to know you spend most of your time yes. <laughs> knocking yourself. Oh yes, okay, just Trust for the me. record. Okay. Yes, just just for the record, you have no idea. Constantly knocking myself, but it was very clear from a young age that I was an exceptionally gifted swimmer, and I, I mean, I stuck with it because I, I was. I had this idea that I needed to maximize my potential, and if I was given this gift, I should use it. But if at any moment I could have quit, I would have. All right, so yeah, that would be a good example. That would, yes, like you ugh. had a gift and you had no real intention of using it. Yes, there was there was a time right. when I was yeah, where I was just like, I know I have this gift, and maybe I should be you know maximizing my potential, but I don't, I don't, I don't want. For it. the record, I don't have that gift. <laughs> and, I don't find swimming pleasurable, it's to be not. honest. It's really not. I find it in the ocean but to be everybody, pleasurable. But everybody, by the way, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think it's fun. Well, just being in the ocean, uh, I think, is fun. I believe. Have you ever been snorkeling? Yeah. Oh, you have no idea how often. I don't know why the image of you snorkeling. Oh, I, I have snorkeled around the world. <laughs> I've snor- snorkeled in the South Pacific. I have snorkeled in the Maldives. Do you I've like it? The only thing I like, and it's obviously the only reason you do it, is when you are at a coral reef that is gorgeous. Oh my! It's am- it's amazing. It is beyond belief, and that makes I you agree. believe in God. I got to say, seeing seeing no uh, the the fish when they come over to you, and and the, how colorful they are, and the reefs themselves they're they're stun- astonishing. So, uh, just for your right, do you like snorkeling? Love it. Okay, so just so you must talk to Alan. Alan would snorkel in a bathtub if he could. He Alan? Yes, Alan, everywhere we have gone, and he's gone on virtually every one of my cruises or, or with listeners, he has snorkeled. I it's mean, such a funny word, snorkel. Well, that, yes, <laughs> I know it is a funny like word. Anyway, he loves it more than I do. He, he will go any day to snorkel. I will do it. I'll go with him. Yeah, you would. Exactly. So he... All of the, by the way, I want to say one thing. The greatest snorkeling in the world, I believe, is in the Maldives, in case you ever get a chance to go there. Okay. It's right off India, the southwest coast uh, off India. So we were in Australia once, more than once, but we were in Australia and we went snorkeling uh, at some uh, body of water that that had obviously theoretically a lot of colorful fish i didn't want to go as soon as i heard the following there are a lot of jellyfish there oh yeah ooh jellyfish are a curse <laughs> I, I, I mean, you do not want to have uh, uh they don't bite they they have their their uh, tentacles which sting you terribly and they're they're not easily seen cuz they're transparent and I'm thinking, why would I want to go to a jellyfish-infested place <laughs> uh, and, and snorkel? But if I didn't go, I would have been the guy sitting on the boat or sitting on the shore like some nerd. So not only did I go, but I went in a wetsuit. Now, <laughs> yes, you're allowed to we laugh. We gotta get a picture of well, this. Well, I think there might be. I've I've tried to delete all of them. <laughs> Me, six foot four, two hundred and sixty-five pounds in, in a wetsuit. 
is a sight. And and with the snore and with and the, the snorkel, right? Oh God. Anyway, I didn't take the easy way out, Sean. <laughs> That's right, Sean. In, in a certain sense, I did, because it would have been harder to have been embarrassed not to go with everybody else. Anyway, did I Sue deeply, go? I deep, yes, Sue went. I deeply regret having gone. Oh no, because. Uh, I was not, thank God, stung by. I spent the entire time looking for jellyfish. I, I, it, I don't know, even know why we went. The water was dark. It was the opposite of a great snorkeling experience. But uh, I, uh, I also got seasick on this boat going there. This little boat. I mean, the whole experience was disgusting. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Any anyway, uh, you you mentioned the the joy of snorkeling. That that was. Unlike swimming, which is it's not swimming snorkeling. You basically lie face down. I get and horrible seasickness too. By the way, oh, it's uh, the that is the one of the worst feelings in the world. Oh, I'm sure uh, kidney uh, stones yes. are worse. Correct. I'm sure childbirth you're, you're, is worse. Right, but it's up there. Uh, you're entirely right. Yet I love cruising because these ships, they're so big. I mean, it. it some people get seasick, but I, it's little fishing boats. I can't handle this. It goes like that. So with. I love this question. Is there a gift that you have that you yeah. that you don't want to use? Do you know anyone that you you've observed in your life for whom that may be true? Or no? Yeah, because I, if rare. they didn't use it, I'm, uh, how would I know that they even had that gift? True. Well, th- this relates to a discussion that we had, I think, two episodes ago. So, episode forty-four. See, I'm improving on my human recording machine, um, and it's that. So many people nowadays don't want – it seems that they don't want to find their potential and they don't want to find their gifts. They would rather take an off-the-rack solution to life than do the hard work that's required to figure – another good term you came up with, off-the-rack. Yeah. Just just take the easy solution to life than doing the hard work to figure out what your gift is and crucially to get better at that gift. The – what is it, Aristotle who said, that, you know, the self-examined life is not worth living or something, something to that effect. Your generation has been deprived of asking itself the big questions. In You know, Instagram, TikTok, and, and, and you know, parties and demonstrating against global warming. I mean, when you think about it, there's such little introspection in your generation. I don't I don't blame your generation. I mean, I blame my generation more than yours. Right. Well, we've had we we haven't had examples of people with full robust personalities. That's why you I mean, among many reasons, that's why you're so important to me in my life. I mean, I'm I'm lucky. I've great parents and I've had some other good role models, but you are really a shining example of someone who who appreciates all of life and tries to have a, as I said, full, robust, vibrant personality. A lot of people are shadows of who they could be. Most people, and and the uh, the thing I said to you off the air, and I. I I wanted to bring that up, but I and don't I, know. If... I, I don't look. We don't hide anything. Basically. We really don't. It's really, really mind blowing. It's sort of like a diary. This show, this podcast. Uh, 
So you were debating whether to come back here to L.A., where you're from, uh, and and be where you're from with your family and with with me and my family and and really a, a whole world that I have here. You've become a part of, for example, Shabbat dinners, and even though you're not Jewish, I might add. It doesn't matter. We we have a contingent of non-Jews every Shabbat dinner who love it. Uh, so your your tear was New York because so many young people are in New York. And you thought, probably correctly, you would have more chance of interaction with your your age group in New York. And then, But I said to you right before our podcast, I said to you, I thought I think because I think about you, and I th- I think about your situation, and while that is true, it wouldn't have mattered because you wouldn't have found almost any kindred spirits in New York with your peer group. We, we did talk about that. In any event, they're pursuing, you know, high finance, not right. living life. Uh, it, it's so. You have the blessing and the curse of being deep. It, yes. It, 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 just, it just is the way it is. You have some wonderful girlfriends, which is really critical. I do. Yeah, I, I really i have come to adore them. But, but uh, finding a, a guy your age isn't going to be easy. No. It's so funny because when you were saying, oh, we were discussing something um, off the air and we thought we had just agreed – I th- I thought you were referring to something else that we said, although that was oh. something that we talked about. I thought you were referring to when I asked you, are there any unhealthy habits that you have? Oh, oh. Or, because right. Dennis, and again, I, Juliet from Virginia's ears are bleeding, but uh, <laughs> sorry. And by the way, I haven't gotten an email from her. I think she just totally <laughs> threw us Gave out. <laughs> she couldn't stand the, the compliments. But. You, I, I can say, it, you are a remarkably healthy person. You, I, I really... So I want to tell you something. Yes. Okay. Well, sure. I, I, I hadn't interrupted. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, you I, can okay. go ahead. I want, I want everybody to know that even that, not or maybe drop the word even, you have to work on that. I, I wanted... I wanted to be happy at in starting in high school. I I ached to be happy. I was not a happy kid prior to high school. Really? And, yeah. I, I had I had real issues. I you know, this was not my life was has not been a what is it? A bowl of cherries. Cakewalk. No, a cakewalk, bowl of cherries, whichever. I, I mean, I I am well aware of that fact, but I didn't know that that you had problems when you were really young. Well, uh, the, or issues. The, the, yeah, I had issues with my parents. I, I had issues mm-hmm. being the younger brother of, of 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 a perfect specimen of human being, my older brother. Uh, in fact, I was with my my uh, older brother uh, in New York. Sue and I went to visit him. His wife was unfortunately not well that night, so he only he came to the dinner. I don't see him often. Unfortunately, we live on different coasts and harder for him to travel because his wife is not well. But anyway, uh, so I said to him, Kenny, I'm writing, I'm going to be writing my autobiography after I finish the, the, the Torah commentary. 
And uh, so I got to ask you something. I'd like to ask you some questions. I want I want other voices in my autobiography. And nobody living knows me as long as my brother, obviously. So I say, did you think I was a loser when I was a young kid? He had every reason to think I was a loser. Uh, I I had I was I did not accomplish anything at school. I did not accomplish anything. Period. Uh, I was always on the heavy side. My mother took me to the husky section when I was a kid to buy clothing. My brother was a total stud. So he said to me, he said, I never thought you were a loser, but I did worry that you were uh, in my shadow. Mm. So that, that one of the teachers in our elementary school looked at me one day and said outright, which was very stupid of the man to say, but he did, why can't you be like your brother? And I I walked around sort of thinking, you know, that's what people think of me. Okay, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't get depressed, but I, I I wasn't that happy. I didn't have particularly a particularly warm relationship with my parents. I did later in life, but I didn't then. Uh Anyway, I'm not complaining one iota. I'm obviously I'm not complaining. I'm just I just people shouldn't think, which they tend to. It's like when they meet a happy when an unhappy person meets a happy person, they think, oh, they've had an easy life. Yes, it's which it's is so true. Yeah, right. So and same with a healthy person. Oh, he's just lucky. I am lucky, but I worked on this. I wanted to be happy. And I wanted to be healthy. That's what I was going to say. You don't have a lot of dysfunction, really. Right. I mean, yep. in in many ways, you're not professionally dysfunctional. You're not personally dysfunctional. Like you're, you're so you're, me, you're, so, okay. you're so rarely not dysfunctional, right? So uh, it's very touching to me. You said that. I I called up my uh, first daughter-in-law before I got my second daughter-in-law. I don't know. I, I called her, I don't know if, I guess it was a telephone call. Mm-hmm. Or it might have been in person. It doesn't matter. But I said to her, I just want you to know, I was thinking about this, Miriam, and I want you to know, I I have one major aim vis-a-vis you. I want to be easy in your life. I don't, everybody has issues, especially raising four kids as she is, her two, and the two with my son. And uh, I, I just, I, I don't want to add in any way to your burden in life, which it's easy for a parent or a, a parent-in-law to do. Right. Add burdens to their kids or kids-in-law's life. I So I actually have developed this into a theory on, on life. That one of your goals in life, you should try to be a, a decent person, and, but one of your f- five or even three biggest goals should be to be easy. It's a huge thing. Well, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, you're such an easy person to have a relationship with because I know that you've, you've worked on it. And I'm trying right now to... I mean, I hope I'm naturally an easy person to have a relationship with, but I even find when I'm moody sometimes, I'm tr- I'm trying to knock myself. Right. From my you know, perspective, you're very easy well, to, thank to, to you. have a, 
a relationship with. I want to get that one on the record, I'm sure. <laughs> I can whip that out when it's useful. My sister or parents ever go, you're being so moody. I'll be like, well, Dennis thinks I'm easy. Yeah, but, um, you tell him. But I... Well, the unexamined life, Sean is yeah, telling Socrates. me. Yes, Socrates. It's Socrates. Was it Socrates? Yes, okay. the unexamined life is not worth living. You said okay. the, the examined life, but... Don't we all know. We Wait, all know did what I you're say saying. the examined life is I, not worth living? This is going to be like the almond did fight. Did I say that? I think the examined life is not worth living? I think he did. Yeah. It's not worth living? I think you did say I that. I really blew that. Why I did, did I you didn't, correct me? Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm trying to be more uh, conscious of interrupting. You know, you're not that easy. <laughs> but see, actually, it proves my point because in every way right now, and you, I've said this on the show, I'm really, I'm trying to just steer myself well in life. I'm trying to be a a healthy, easy person. I'm trying to get rid of my moodiness. But it, another thing is I'm trying to reduce my habit of, I think I interrupt you too often on this, no, on this show. No, you don't. If anything, I interrupt you too often. But I don't think either of us does it too often. It, you you are, by the way, because uh, I'm so used to dialoguing, you know, and, and with listeners, you are remarkable I know this is really praise day. I feel bad. I'll have to insult you or you'll have yeah, to insult Yeah, well, we me. can get to insults. Yeah, so, but you, I don't think you ever interrupt me. In fact, mm, happy to hear it. you, I mean, literally ever. And to your credit, as soon as you see me inhale to say something. I shut up. Yes. And a lot of people... Keep keep talking, not picking up on the fact that the other person wants to say something. Well, it sounds contradictory because I'm about to start the sentence with I. But but one of the things that I am also trying to work on is I think so. there's such a unfortunately valid stereotype among people my age that we are narcissists and we bring everything back to ourselves. So... I try really hard to be aware of that and because I, I find when the, – the worst thing is being in a discussion and you know the other person just cannot wait till you're done so that they can talk about themselves. I mean it's not – it's Right, not, or, or, to, or not react to what you said. Yes, or just go off on a completely different exit ramp. I mean I don't know if it's something that I really have to work on because I think I am naturally – Certainly with you, I never think, oh, God, I want him to be done talking so that I can cut in. But I'm I'm really – I'm trying in every way – again, I think this – just to bring it full circle back to this point that we're talking about is that you, you were not born being completely healthy or e- easy to have a relationship with. You have worked hard at being healthy. And it's what you said earlier. When people are happy or when people are healthy, there's this perception that, oh, they must have had it so easy in life or, oh, it's something that they were born with. That is not true. Every single thing in life requires hard work, including being happy and being healthy. Period. Yes. That's right. And so that's why I'm so militant with myself in every way, trying to steer myself because I know maybe later in life, if I'm a, you know, happy healthy person people are gonna think it came easy to me but i can tell you right now as i'm going through the the hard work well, you, it's not you, easy and you you have struggles that i didn't have right you you could be unhappy yes is that fair to say yeah i, th- I mean yes and no i mean not I, chronically but yes i could certainly you could be a roller coaster 
I'd like to introduce you to Monorail, America's investment app that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. Monorail is an investment and savings app that is made for patriots by patriots. It doesn't matter whether you're an Apple fan or if you prefer Android. Monorail is available in both environments and online at monorail.com. Monorail is safer for users with bank-level encryption and biometrics. Your money is protected with Monorail through the Securities Investor Protection Corporation and the FDIC. No matter how you engage with Monorail, you're getting the security and safety that you need. Whether you're adding funds to your investment account, looking to buy a stock, or putting money aside for future purchases. With Monorail, you can put your money where it matters and utilize the economic power that built this country. Don't go somewhere else to trade stocks. Monorail gives you the freedom to purchase whole or fractional shares in companies that you believe in. It only takes five minutes to download the app and to set it up. Join the pro-America money movement. Join Monorail. So I want to ask you now what I asked you off air, and I don't really know if you gave me an answer. Maybe there isn't one. Am I wrong? Are there are there things that you do that are unhealthy, or do you feel like there's a personality trait that you would identify right, as so unhealthy? I have it. An interesting answer from Sue, who said to me early on in our relationship, and, and we're together now 18 years, so, you know, not a little time, and she said, you, Dennis, have no black boxes. And I, she introduced me to a very important theme in life. What's a black box? A, a, an opaque area of life in a person that in which lurks unhealthy stuff and may come out and probably will one day. Am, am I clear? So so Sue is saying you don't have I that. don't have, yes. Well, that's why. Why don't I? Mm-hmm. Well, for one thing, I, I believe in transparency. It, it, when I feel that I don't know everything about somebody i i get uh i i'm suspicious that there was something something is going to explode one day you see black boxes explode it just you know something something simply happens uh that makes the black box open up now obviously you can't know Immediately, and some people are great actors. Shakespeare is, you know, great line. All the world's a stage, and we're all actors. And so people know how to act. But anyway, I have worked on transparency. I'm transparent on the radio. I'm more transparent on the radio than than many people are in their personal lives. People say to me two things when they first meet me. The most common things are, God, I didn't know you were that tall because they only see me seated. And the other is, I feel like I know you, to which I've always responded, you do. There's no, well, you can testify. There's no off-the-air Dennis that is different. And even on this show, sometimes when we're like, we don't even know that we're on. That's right. We're just. It's, so, it's very real. Yes, it's very I, real. I love, real to me is everything. I love real. Anyway, look, I, I, you know, everyone has battles, uh, but um, uh, Steve Marmer sitting in that seat 
our dear mutual friend, psychiatrist, UCLA, or was at UCLA, I think he's left medical school, and he uh, he mentioned to me, either it was on the air or off the air, because we were talking about some issue on the happiness hour, and he said, you have great uh, shock absorbers, Dennis. And I realized, that's right, I do. And I don't know if they're built in, or I, I, I think I developed them because I so ached to be happy. But I do, I have good shock absorbers. Most people are rattled more easily. I've, I find when shocking things happen, and I feel like I also have good shock absorbers because throughout my childhood, it was just, with Gina, it was just shock after shock after shock, either with her behavior or her care. I mean, li- literally every day, it was like you just didn't know what to expect. I find the best thing to do, and I know it's really hard, is to just have like this total calmness when 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 you hear a really big piece of bad or shocking news just tell yourself calm 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 because it and i know that sounds really stupid to say because people are going to go i'm going crazy right now no people are going to go wow julie what a profound thought you should be calm when you have when something shocking happens no but no blank sherlock it's it's not it, it is profound and it is it is an aspect of you, another one, that just blows my mind. So I have my way of putting it. I wonder if you've heard me say this. So I think, what if I were on a plane that was just, you know, for whatever reason, its engines shot out? Oh, my a, gosh. I think about that all okay. the time. How would I react? So here is my answer to you. None of us knows, obviously. You don't right. know till you're in the position. But this, I have two responses to, to that. I think about this fairly often. Not, not out of fear, I just think about it. Number one, the thing I most fear is not that we are falling out of the sky and will die. The thing I most fear is people screaming and panicking. Mm. So that part two is, I, I would... I would hope, I'm not saying I would, I'm, I might scream also, I don't know, but I would hope that I could stand up and say, let us all recite Psalm 23, oh. the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and hopefully bring calm in, in the face of potentially imminent death. It's a very, very touching thing. I just got the chills when you said that. Well, it gives you an idea of wanting to think about everything, which I'll tell you another lesson from this. I feel like I'm talking too much. But, You're not. It's okay. okay. Well, thank you. So this question of, gee, I don't know how I would react is a very fair statement. How do I know how I would react if my plane were falling out of the sky, right? Okay, that's fair. But I do believe that you can train yourself in advance. Yes, that's that's what I was trying to say. You can. You can. That's what sometimes when shocking things happen people go, "Oh my gosh, I can't help, you know, my crazy reaction to this." You can help it. That's right. And if you tell yourself to be calm, it you or tell yourself how would I want to react? Yes. It 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 slows down the gravity of 
the moment for you. And it, and it get, the way you react initially says so much about how you'll be able to react down the line as you're dealing with whatever shocking thing it is. Well, I want to give you another example. When I ask kids, and I'm going to ask this next week in Miami, I'm speaking at my grandson's uh, uh, school. Wow, they're letting you you speak there? Well, it's a Jewish school. That's true, and it's Miami. No, no, it's an Orthodox school. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure I'm that sure they're, the non-Orthodox I'm sure they're would invite me. thrilled that you're coming. Yeah, they are. Uh, obviously, they wouldn't have invited me, but... I am going to ask them the question I've been asking since I was your age and talking to, to, to high school kids uh, or even elementary school kids, uh, and that is, would you save your dog or a stranger first if both were drowning? Oh, wow. So yeah. I, as I've, it, it, it's the same results today as 40 years ago. One-third say the dog, one-third the stranger, one-third don't know. I always give them the option, if you don't know, you vote don't, I don't know. So one-third says they don't know. So I'm bringing this into this issue of you train yourself before the situation. If you don't know how you would react if your dog and a stranger were drowning, now that they are not drowning, you have to decide before the event happens, how should I react? It's the weirdest thing that you say this because I think about that obsessively, obsessively. And even, I mean... I think a lot because, you know, I talk to you about it a lot. How am I going to react when Dennis dies? How am I going to react if I get a call that my mom was in a terrible, God forbid, was in a you know terrible car accident? I, I think about those scenarios a lot. I'll tell you, when I came into the studio today, Sean knows, I was talking with him outside and I felt like there was an earthquake. And it was because I was going up in the elevator to come to this floor. And I thought, okay, Julie, if there's an earthquake today and the ceilings fall in and, you know, everything <laughs> turns into mayhem, how are you going to react? I, like, obs- I obsessively think about these scenarios obs- all the time. Even, even just like right now, what if I, – I, even like when it, the moment doesn't call for it, I'll go into a restaurant and I'll be like, what if a shooter walked in? How would you react? So now to give you an idea of how unique what, what we're doing with this podcast – in general today as well how open you force and i'm open anyway but uh you ask how will you react when i die i ask how will i react when i die (laughs) i want to die gracefully you mean when you're near death yes when i'm near death i i i don't want to be pitiful that's a big a big thought in my mind. Now, just for the record, my my father died at 96, my mother at 89, so I still have a while here if if genes are important. I also have everything going for me health-wise. I have a lot of friends. I have a community. I have a religious life. And they, everyone, even secular uh, scientists, acknowledge the staggering importance of, oh, I even have pets. They say if you rub a dog regularly <laughs> i'm not now kidding coco uh, coco doesn't let me <laughs> yes and, dennis and, has this rescue dog who i'm sorry is kind yes. of a demon cuckoo i call yeah. her cuckoo call, call her yes cuckoo. she's she but cuckoo. the uh, the other two otto and snoopy who are worldwide of worldwide renown i do rub but anyway i i have look i i could get cancer tomorrow i'm totally aware of that but but that's true for you i mean you could get one could get cancer tomorrow at any age. 
it, it, it's not more, I don't know if it's more likely, it's an interesting question. At my age, you're more likely to get cancer than at 50 mm. or, or 30. I don't know. I mean, my aunt died at, uh, at 34 or whatever of cancer. Uh, Sue's sister died at, at around 34 of cancer. I mean, it's, uh, that, that's two immediate families. I'm interested to know at what age, and certainly it varies for people depending on their circumstances or, you know, genetic history. At what age generally do people start to think about their own deaths? Because you, you just said, I, I think about, you know, how I want to right. uh, react when I'm near death. That's not so, that, when I go through my scenarios, shooter Correct. in a restaurant, earthquake, yes, I'm yes. not thinking about my own no, death. That, when does it shift? That is the great blessing of being young. You just don't think about it. And if you do, it doesn't seem real. Yeah. You know you'll die intellectually. We, I mean, you're out of your mind if you don't know you'll die. But it, you don't know it in your gut. It seems so far off as to almost be it won't happen. But as you get older, and I would say the magic, I don't know, different people have a different magic age. So I can't answer uh, for for the exact age, but the risk of cancer does increase as you age. There you go. That's that's charming. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I know what it can. This is such a bad thing to make a joke about, but but on the show, I didn't know the name. I now know that a cancer doctor is an oncologist. Oncologist. That's what I said. <laughs> right. The fact, you, you know it? what? On- the, oncologist. Right. The fact that you don't know is a blessing. I know. I know. It's such a bad thing to make a joke about. Um, but, but either way, but I, I, I know that. No, it, it, when, it's just because I got I the name wrong. I know nothing about cancer ago. because it didn't hit it, 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 in any way directly into my in my life. Right. So when did it? What age do you have to? Do you know your own mortality? That you're asking that too, Sean? Oh yeah, no, no, we're well aware. Yeah. So do you think that this just popped into my mind as you were analyzing how we we don't think that it's real? At, at our at my Correct. age that we're going to die do you think we'd be better off if we contemplated our deaths yes. more absolutely it, i think so too yeah of it's course it's a very interesting point it is a very interesting point and uh, i certainly thought about it there was never a time in my life when i thought it can't happen to me i'm too young i'm too healthy god is protecting me there was never a, a minute in my life when I thought I couldn't die. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 no, I want to make clear, otherwise I'll sound like a sicko. I didn't think I would. Right. Okay. No, I, I understand. So I, I am reading, rereading, I should say, this uh, biography on Martin Luther that, are, um, that Eric Metaxas wrote. And I'm interviewing Eric Metaxas on my show, Timeless. So, And I re- read this book on Martin Luther, I think, two years ago, and I just, I loved it. I know that sounds really nerdy, but it was... It was just amazing because Martin Luther is one of those figures who is so important to Western civilization yeah, in the pe- world. People don't realize. And we don't talk about him at all. Well, people don't because they don't talk about anything that happened. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's... They, people don't talk about what happened last year. True. That's that's true. But even just when I was young, we learned about Columbus or we learned about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, 
who Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King was named for, so should I, be. I, I've read a lot of books on Luther. Luther was fascinating, and one of them, a, a historian wrote, he made the modern world because Protestantism made the modern world. And this is no knock on the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has been around was around fifteen hundred years before Luther. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and, and the Jews were around fifteen hundred years before the Catholic Church. <laughs> Thirteen hundred to be precise. It is really uh, it, the whole thing's remarkable. He, he, Luther is a mixed bag. He, oh, certainly. I mean, I find him to be fascinating because, and I'll get back to my my point on death that that I want to bring up with regard to Luther, but. Um, he he growing up was a very serious individual and he had this affliction he actually coined a term i can't remember it starts with an a and it's a it's a german name where he talked about how hard he was on himself and he he identified it in a term where like he literally could not go throughout the day without thinking that he was going to go to hell he was just so racked with guilt and he thought that he was un- – yeah, no, he, he really – he thought that he was um, unworthy to be a priest, unworthy to be a monk and he was constantly fearing that he was uh, a grave sinner going to hell. And then later in his life, he was like a total jokester and he was known for being a famous ribber and uh, – you know, he was just, it's so funny how he, how he made a 180 in, in his disposition. Anyway, I digress, but welcome to Dennis and Julie. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you go home to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry? Well, that's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels, towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors. And right now, you can receive a six-piece towel set for only $39.98 with the promo code HARTMAN. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this great offer on the six-piece set off of MyPillow towels, just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and enter the promo code HARTMAN or call 1-800-761-6302. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code HARTMAN. Back to the point why I brought up Martin Luther. In his early life, I think this happened twice before he turned 18, he had two near-death experiences both of which influenced his decision to drop out of law school and enter into a monastery. First, he was riding a horse and his sword went into his leg and it hit an artery and he started bleeding to death. And one of his riding companions rode and got a doctor and the doctor came back, patched it up. Luther went home later that day. In the night, the wound opened again and he almost died a second time. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that he would he was lying there thinking about how he was going to die and how, you know, w- w- was he going to go to heaven? How has he lived, etc. That was the first big thing. The second one, and this is the most famous story with him, is that he was also riding a horse from his home back to his university when uh, he encountered a great uh, lightning storm. And a lightning bolt came down and he says was just inches away from hitting him. And it's that moment when he got off his uh, off of his horse, got down on his knees and prayed to God. I think St. Anne specifically and said, if you save me, I will become a monk. Anyway, 
Sorry to give you a little Luther history lesson, but I love this. I love it. I think this guy is so interesting. But it just made such a powerful impression on me. First of all, how frequent it was to have near-death experiences back in the 16th century or even – I mean it's pretty recent in world history that we – that people every day in general don't fear their their deaths. It, or, or deaths from giving birth. Yes. Oh, it, it's, it's just crazy. And I thought would Luther have entered the monastery and then had his whole kind of awakening and – as, as that author says, shape the modern world if he didn't have those near-death experiences? Probably not. I mean, he, he says that that lightning strike or that, you know, the, the sword going into the artery, those were the two things that made him want to do that. And it made me think we would probably, I mean, again, it's, it's so paradoxical to say, and it goes back to my earlier point about my sister Gina, how, how in this awful way I am a stronger, better person as a result of her suffering. We would probably all be stronger, better, wiser people, more purposeful people if we had more near-death experiences. A girl got up at one of my lectures at, one of, at some college, some university, and I always say, if you disagree with me, you, you will get to speak first. So she came up. She said, are you saying to me, are you saying to us that women are not oppressed in this society? I said, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Women are not oppressed in this society. And I was, I was thinking, she has no idea what no suffering or oppression idea. or persecution, or about none if you think you're oppressed as a woman in, in anywhere in the Western world, you you have no perspective on life. That's why it's important to think about death. It's why it's important to read about death. It's why it's important to read about the suffering of 100 million people under communism, the millions under Nazism. Uh, you, you need to know the, about the ubiquity and intensity of evil. You, you need to know if... if you, it, you you are sinning against yourself, if that's possible, but certainly sinning against the persecuted. Not to know what a, a Korean comfort woman was. Well, remember I was guest hosting for you, and I made the mistake of saying that they were uh, Japanese women. Remember that? Oh, so thanks oh, for reminding me of that, I am Dennis. So sorry. But actually, yeah. I d- the the the. The horrible part is I did know what a Korean – I knew that they were Korean women and I would just misspoke. But anyway, you're right. But you had to rub that in, didn't you? <laughs> to rub something in unaware of, the, of your <laughs> doing the rubbing is an achievement, can I say. It's – the naivete, the whole left is based on naivete. People are basically good. America's an oppressive society. Uh, you know, capitalism stinks. Uh, it's all based on a childish naivete about life. You don't realize how good things are because they are so good. And so you could sit there like John Lennon's idiotic song, Imagine. You know that song? Yes. Oh, God, is that a stupid song? Okay, I have a, I have a question for you because I was listening to... Um... Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. Yes. What do you think of that song? Well, I love the song and I have no clue what the words are. I, I am entirely addicted to music and instruments. 
not two words in songs. I feel terrible saying it, but it's the truth. See, that's how I feel about Imagine. I agree with you if you listen to the words. It's an idiotic song. Right. But the melody, I think, is quite nice. I agree with you. But uh, I know the words because they they are the words of a great number of people of my generation. He was older than me, but but still, I'll, I'll call him, you know, baby boomer generation, whatever, whatever he was in. What about the Beach Boys, God Only Knows? What I don't know the words. What are the words? He doesn't know this. I'm. I would like to hear Sean. The, Sean, play the music because do you know? I this love song? the Beach Boys. By the way, I'm interviewing someone on my show who's an expert on the Beach Boys. Yeah, David Leaf. They were fantastic. I. I. By the way, one of their songs is the theme song of "For Goodness Sake," my first video. Oh, you have to tell the story of the, the, astounding oh, oh. amount of self control you okay. exhibited in that. Uh, not now. But I, 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 you're right. All right, let's hear yeah. it. Oh, of course I know this. I just didn't know the words. Their music is fantastic. I love this song. I wanted it at my wedding. I may not always love you. This is the theme song of, of For Goodness Sake. Oh, really? I have the chills. You never We're getting to the refrain, right? Yes. I'll oh, make you so Hold sure up. about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. If you should ever leave me, will life still go on? Believe me, the world yeah, will show words. nothing yeah. to me. So what good would living do me? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Yeah, he sounds. He's, Sean says it sounds like the codependent anthem. <laughs> that's funny. All right, it's a little Sean. romantic. Uh, don't be, don't be cynical, Sean. Cynical, Sean. Anyway, it's a, it's like another session of reality. This this thing about. Living in a make-believe world and not knowing how good it is. If you don't know how bad it was, Mm -hmm. then you don't know how good it is. And they don't know how bad it was. So it's odd. Like, does God just want us in a perpetual state of, I don't know, uh, mediocrity in the sense of that your life isn't really prosperous but it also isn't really bad because it seems like the more pro the biggest problem facing the united states and this is a controversial statement but uh, nevertheless i'm going to say it the the, the worst problem facing the united states is that we've had it so good yeah well i've because said the, secularism plus affluence yes equals boredom that, that is what is causing that, all of the right. issues yeah. the poor are not bored because they have to work to get a meal and the and the religious are not bored because they have God and, and religion. So it raises a design question for God. Why, no, why? not really. Uh, he, look, it, it might have, but he gave an antidote. It's true. He did. Yeah. And it's up to us whether we take it seriously. I don't, I don't reflect on God much. I, I My only reflection is what does God want from me? I don't reflect on God much, says Dennis Prager. Really? Is that, a, is that a, Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, you're right. I'm glad you, you, you asked me to amplify on it. I reflect on God constantly, but I don't reflect on God's nature or what, why. 
why did God make the world this way? You know, my joke, you know, my first question to God will be, why did you make the mosquito? I mean, it's interesting. I, that's where we do differ. I do think about his nature a lot. I know right, that it's, but I don't know if you can come to any answer. No, I mean you can't, but it's nevertheless quite interesting. I mean, I I'll tell I'll tell you one example and I know we're probably almost out of time and telling this is opening up a big discussion, but um and by the way, it, this does pertain to my sister Gina. I feel like I've been talking about her a lot in the past two episodes and I'm again conscious of talking about myself too much, but we haven't we haven't talked about her for most of the show, so I don't I hope I'm I hope it. I'm not belaboring it. Anyway, I do in ever since I became religious, I've been thinking more about why God made Gina this way. And I've developed a theory. And I don't you know, how how could you know if it's true, but I'm not uh totally convinced of it, but it's something that has kept coming back to me. Is I do feel like a lot of problems and suffering in life are tests. And I have started to wonder whether or not Gina is a living embodiment of God or a way for God to kind of test me or test people who encounter Gina. Because the closer I get to Gina, the more that I – what I love about Gina is also what I love about God. And the closer I get to Gina, the closer I feel to God. For instance, Gina is the embodiment of forgiveness. She has been abused in her group homes. She has been treated terribly by people in society. And every time she meets a new person, every time she has a new caretaker, she is so sweet and kind to them and and accepts them with op- open arms and tries to remember their names. She is a living embodiment of forgiveness. She's also a living embodiment of co- being a contradiction. You know, she's... She's both in many ways so lovely and so innocent and, um, as I was saying last episode, you know, someone who I have a lot of empathy for. And then on the other hand, sometimes I'm so angry with her and she can be so volatile with her behaviors. Um, you know, she's she helps me become more patient. She helps me become more kind. And she helps – she gives so me – So how does this go to God? People my, like her. So my, my problem with that is that it makes human beings – uh, object. Gina, G, I can't accept, I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying I can't accept that God would make someone suffer so as to be a moral test for another. I know, it's hard for me to, to right, grasp Right, so too. my answer is God didn't make her this way. God allowed her to be this way. I don't believe God made her this way. I, I am 100% convinced he didn't make her that way. And by the way, if you believe that God did, I don't have a problem with that. Right. Uh, uh, it's what, what I meant when I don't reflect on God much. I don't ask those questions. Did God Did God make this person to have cancer, this person to be healthy? I don't, I don't any longer ask the unanswerable. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You have such a fertile mind. I, I, it's a blessing that you reflect on this. But I have, I have essentially given up. Uh, mm-hmm. There are there are certain things I know I can't answer, and I rather deal with what I can answer. What does God want from me? And my biggest passion to make people aware that the post Judeo Christian world is a cesspool, and it will self destruct, and it is self destructing. 
That's the point. The university is a cesspool, and it is the least religious place in society, and they are entirely related. There is no wisdom in a secular institution. I know you've heard me say this a hundred times. I'll say it another hundred, hopefully another thousand, because I want to be here for a long time. I'm having a great time. That's Uh, what's going to be on your tombstone, you told me. He had a great time. Yeah, that's true. And hopefully gave some others the ability to have one. I would like you to add that too. Anyway, it's it's not imminent. Thank thank God. I mean, I I hope and pray not. I know. You but do. again, I'm I think about touched. I think about how I would handle it. Yeah. But anyway, I do I do think about God's nature, and obviously my my sister's the the reason. But uh, okay. I I agree more generally. I think about what He wants of us. That's what matters. This was a good one. Yes, it was. We were kind of all over the place today, but. I don't think that's so. Every, it, it was all generically related, but it doesn't matter. It was good stuff. I don't Help mean I don't mean that as a criticism. Touch. I think it's a fun thing right. that we go off these exit ramps. You can email me at julie at julie hartmancom and I am being I am much better at responding. So cool. please, please keep emailing me. I love hearing from you, and I'm deeply moved by many of your messages. And you can follow us, Dennis. What this is a good quiz. What is our Instagram handle? Do you know? What did she just ask me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know our Twitter handle? This is what you've got to memorize. This so you're you can right. Tell my my wife is very annoyed at me for not knowing Twitter. It's at Dennis Julie Pod. I at, say it every yes, damn at show. At Dennis Julie Pod. Of course, I was waiting. For and you what's to say our it. Facebook name? Our Facebook name is Coca Cola. Should not be drunk that often. We're never going to get followers this way. Just a bit outside. <laughs> what? Both reactions were perfect. What? Just what a John bit say? outside. <laughs> and yours. <laughs> we're not going to get any followers this way. Remind me to it's tell Dennis you and Julie podcast, by a way. huge flaw in, in my own uh, life is how little I have promoted myself i know it sounds like it's a phony flaw but it's a real flaw i am the same way but i no, you're not no i am i am bad at social media people my age if you look at amala amala is so good with social media she's always posting i'm like a delinquent and negligent but i have a i have an interesting reason why in my case why ah ah on the next dennis and julie Exactly. By the way, she is into fountain pens, ladies and gentlemen, a source of enormous, enormous joy in my life. See you next week. Shalom. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.